I'm really probably staying in. It's gross outside. It's icy and blizzardy and yuck. My first paid gig was actually opening for Roseanne Barr. Hello, ladies and ladies and gentlemen. It's me. Greetings, Madame and Monsieur, uh, uh, Sir, Madam. Uh, it's me, Jake Johansson. Hi. Welcome to episode 68 of the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast. I think I mentioned that it's me again. Um, okay, listen. This is a big week. Nigel's back in the saddle. I've had a tech support call with the Skype call recorder people. They've given me some satisfactory answers to my questions and problems, and they even upgraded their software. I don't know if it was related to me, but it was timely because I had called about a problem, and then it, they updated their software. So that's that's what you can count on for those from those people, Call Recorder. It was pretty, pretty awesome. They were on it. They were on it and in a timely fashion. And who else can we say that about? I don't know. Me. It's me. This is episode 68. It's every week. Tuesday. That's our day. Not necessarily. You can listen to this any day of the week. And that's the beauty of podcasting. You may be listening to this years in the future. I may have died of old age. Oh, sad. I don't like to think about that. Well, that is how I'd like to go, I think, of old age. I'm not sure. Maybe there's some other Maybe there's some other way. Well, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. I'm certainly not going to uh, hit my own off switch, at least not this week. I'm hanging in there for another week. That's my that's my pledge. That's my pledge to you. I'm going to be here next week. Are you? Let's do it. Uh, Lou Reed died today. I was sad about that. If he dies, that means we're all going to die. Mm. I guess I knew it was going to happen. I knew it had to happen to everybody. But, uh, boy, Lou Reed. Okay. That's sad. But you know what's happy? Me coming to your town. And I hope that's going to be your town. If you live in Denver, I'm going to be in Denver at the Comedy Works in Lodo, November 7, 8, and 9. And that's 2013, everybody. Denver, Comedy Works, Lower Downtown, November 7, 7 8, and 9, Comedy Works. Love it there. Chicago, I'm going to be there November 15th at the Zanies on Wells Street. And November 16th at the Zanies in Rose- Rosemont. November 17th is going to be the big benefit for my kids' school at Magicopolis in Santa Monica. Derek Hughes, Greg Barrett, Owen Smith, and Lori Kilmartin. That is a big show. Greg wrote a famous book. Owen and Lori are hilarious people. And uh, Derek is magical. He is magical. Um, And then uh, Fort Lauderdale Improv. I'm coming down there November 29th to December 1st. And then December 5 through 8, I'm going to be in Cleveland, Ohio, taping my new comedy special at Hilarities um, inside of Pickwick and Frolic, inside of Cleveland, inside of Ohio, inside of the United States. And the planet, as always, is Earth until further notification. So December 5 through 8, come to Cleveland. My parents are going to be there. That's a draw. (laughs) You can see them up close. If you're a parent, you can find out what my dad did that caused this to happen. Maybe you can create that same effect in a child of your own someday. Um, So it's a big week this week. My guest this week is Steve Gastineau, a comedian friend of mine from uh, Denver, Colorado, that I talked to the last time I was in Denver. So we talk about the club at the last time, but now I'm coming there this time. Coincidence? I don't know. Maybe I held on to this to put it out now. Maybe that's what I did. Maybe I planned ahead, as you should, for your retirement. Have you thought about your retirement? Let me just tell you about our sponsor. It's me. Don't save for retirement. Spend your money on my DVDs and CDs. Come out to a live show. Let's have a have a good time. We're all going to die. Lou Reed proves that. So, uh, you know, 
sure before you take my advice completely, you should talk to a financial professional. But my advice to you is to come on out and let's have a good time. The first chance you get. Um, so, Steve, I've saved this interview. He's an interesting guy. I'll tell you a little bit about it when I'm talking to Nigel, who I'm going to talk to momentarily because he was available for Skype Versation. And we did that. And here it is. Oh, wait a minute. If you're on the treadmill, crank it up. And what's happening this week? What are we What are we doing? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm doing. What are you what doing? I'm doing? Watching yeah. it snow. Are you kidding me? It's snowing up there in Canada. Canada. Blizzarding. Holy cow! Man, right? What a jip! Well, those good. Christmas lights are ringing true. Well, the good news is you're going to be able to go out and go uh, cross-country skiing after this. <laughs> yeah, or maybe snowshoeing. It could be that deep. Are you a snowshoer? Do you have snowshoes? No, I don't. I should, just in case. You're damn right you should, just in case you've got to flee over the snow, you know? Yeah, you got to escape on foot. My understanding of the zombie apocalypse, though, is that, uh, and I haven't, they haven't really covered this in The Walking Dead, but uh, at least up to where I am. But it seems like if you go far north, they've got to freeze. The zombies have got to freeze. So you got that working yeah, for they, you. I think the zombies don't wear much clothing. So I feel like as soon as they got, you know, maybe to like Ohio or something, they'd be like, hey, forget it, guys. Let's go back. Let's keep. Let's keep. I don't think they think it through. I think that they just wind up. They get, they're in a place where there's winter and it freezes solid. And that's it. They're immobilized because they have to freeze. They may not die in the winter, but they at least have to freeze solid. So you can go out in your I, snowshoes and take them out. I just picture them turning around. Like, I just picture them walking, and then all of a sudden it starts getting cold, and they're like, no. And they just do a big U-turn back, and then they keep eating the brains of the people that are in nice climates. Except the way that the climate works is they 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 do that U-turn, but it's already too late. They can't get back to where it's... Uh, they can't Maybe. Get, they can't get back to where it's warm enough. Like, the, the temperature's dropping too like, fast, and their speed is too slow. They can't, like, if the temperature drops, you know, 30 degrees in 24 true, hours, yeah. and they've already made it 50 miles too far north, they're they're done. Anyway. They're sort of like, they're sort of like bugs, <laughs> I feel like. It's just they fly into a cold front. That's it. They're all gone. Yeah. I think Some they, of them might make it. Some of them might make it out. I think they are like bugs. That that makes it a little easier to to kind of cope with the idea yeah. that they're going to be trying so to. So next time us. you run into a zombie, just think of them as really big bugs. It's like when you're giving a speech. Picture people naked. You know, don't be afraid. Right. Picture the zombies as big bugs. Just it's a big bug. Get a big scare boot the cold weather and step on their head. Yeah. Don't worry about it. squash them. <laughs> I don't know. See, I think you've got it all figured out. Maybe not all of it, but a lot yeah, of it. I feel like sometimes I do have it all figured out, and then I. And then I do something else, and I realize I don't have anything figured out at all. Well, listen, I see you're wearing yeah. a bathrobe, and it's um, it's 11.20 yeah. here, so it must be one twenty there. <laughs> yeah, it's noon. It's, uh, I, like I said, it's snowing out. It's very depressing. So why, you just, why, why, I'm not putting pants on today. Are you, do you a think, bunch of, it's you, movie time. You, Coffee and movies. That's you're, it. You're not even going outside. Not you, doing it. Are you just going to do streaming Netflix? Do they have Netflix in Canada? Yeah, Netflix, movies, I don't know, whatever, computer stuff. I'm just not going out there, especially when it's the first, because when it just starts now, it's it was raining, and then it starts to freeze, and then it's snowing, so the roads are, forget it. 
I thought, you know, oh, I see. Fucking... I see. It's the first snow is the roads are really snow. terrible. It's the first snow. Everybody's going to be crashing into stuff. Unless you, like, if I had to, if I was completely out of cereal or something, like, mm-hmm. if I had no food, something. But even then, I think I'd just order pizza. That's it. <laughs> yeah, let that guy drive the food. Yeah, let that guy do it. Yeah. Here's an extra tip, man. Thank you. Thank you for making it to my house. Well, when you first said because it's the first snow, my I, my interpretation of that was kind of as if, oh, it's the first one, so you're optimistic that maybe you just wait out winter. You're just like, oh, it just won't go out until it gets better. And then uh, kind of a week or two in, you realize, oh, well, I got to go out. At some point, you got to go out, yeah. When you're, <laughs> you're just sitting inside, you've got a beard and really long toenails and you've just been hunkered down eating cans of beans. Well, just because you're inside doesn't mean you can't trim your toenails. You could totally trim your toenails. Yeah, but it's a, it's a better visual image. Wow, look at that stein. Are you drinking coffee out of that? No, I've already had my coffee. Yeah, that's I, a big beer stein. That's a real. That's the real deal. Yeah, I drink all my beverages during the day out of that big mug. Uh, so, yeah, I've already had my coffee. I'll tell you what, I, th- I think I'm going to have to back off of coffee. I think coffee is... Coffee's not being as good to me as it used to be. Too much? I've done that before. I've taken a break from coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might have to do it because I'm feeling uneasy. Sometimes when I go to drink the coffee in the morning, I feel like, man, my stomach's going, don't put that in here right now. I want something more friendly than that. (laughs) Don't do that. You got to listen to that. Man, you got to listen to that guy. Listen to that stomach. Yeah, the stomach fairy. Yeah, sometimes if I, I, yeah, sometimes I just feel like I drink coffee just because it's part of, it's become a routine now. I never used to drink coffee at all. And then I started, I never drank coffee, like for a really long time, like in college and university, like I never drank coffee until, I don't know, a few years ago. Like probably around when I met you was when I started drinking coffee. Wow. And uh, yeah, and then, um, and now I feel like I I drink it like every day now, but it's almost part of just my routine. Like I feel like I got to get up, have some coffee, wake up, Go. So before you were drinking coffee, you just go. You just go into the day natural. Yeah, just get up, have some breakfast, maybe juice. No smoothie. hot tea, no caffeinated tea, no nothing. No, no hot, no caffeine. Used to really jack me up. That was the thing. Like I would drink, I would drink coffee if I have a really long drive or something, like a night drive. Mm-hmm. And then I would just be <laughs> wired. Like I also think it was psychosomatic. Is one of those things where I would drink a coffee and then drive you know, like 13 hours and then get there and then not be able to sleep because I was, well, I drank that coffee. Mm-hmm. There's no way I'm getting to bed now. That caffeine's going to be in my system for like 82 hours. Well, I feel, I definitely feel like sometimes I, I've got, I'm not doing enough things. After I drink the coffee, I feel like, holy, sh- holy shit, I got to get, uh, I got to do something. You know, I'm lucky I don't just wake wind up 200 miles away from my house <laughs> at noon. Like just, I just, I had to get in the car and drive somewhere. You just forest gump it out the door. You'd have your coffee and just, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Start um, running. Yeah. Well, so anyway, that's. I'm, I'm thinking I might have to take a little break from the coffee. Yeah, um, I've done that before. It's not that bad. If you feel like not drinking it, then don't drink it. I mean, what I'm, I guess what I was saying in a long way was I've, I've done that before where I just stopped drinking it thinking I don't need it. I don't feel like it. And I felt fine. Mm. So it's probably a good idea. I'm saying good, good, give it a go. See what happens. Good instinct. Okay. Yeah. Just don't switch over to the drugs. Don't start taking the drugs instead. No, I'm not taking drugs. I'm well, coffee is one of those gateway beverages. It's I, a gateway beverage. That's what they call it. I have been trying a little bit of nicotine gum <laughs> pre-show. Sometimes I like to have a little nicotine gum. Uh, no, really? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Somebody told me that it helped your focus, your concentration, or it activated your neurons or something, so I tried it. And then I feel like it was probably the placebo effect, but it worked. I could probably just do it with regular gum. I'm just going to get some regular gum and go, hey, it's not nicotine. It's just gum. Gum makes well, you, it, gum well, makes it, you it's, it just jacks you up, right? It's just it's nicotine. It's like that's why people smoke cigarettes is because it gives you a little boost. Yeah, it jacks no? you up without putting the cancer smoky cancer chemicals into your neck (laughs) it puts the cancer chemicals into your gums no the no the nicotine i think it doesn't it's not uh, it doesn't cause that but Uh, but i'm not not a doctor i've tried to remind people of that a number of times you (laughs) you on the other hand yeah yeah no i have several phds that i've created no i thought you were a doctor what are you you're a doctor of medical medical doctor of prescriptions and things and also oh you're drinking a big glass of water also this is exciting. Yeah. So, what have you gleaned from the internet this week? You got anything? Um, well, there was that uh, that thing I shared with you. Did you see it? I did. I watched the, the video about the oh about America's wealth distribution. Yeah, I should put that on. I'm going to put that on the podcast page uh, of the so of people my, can watch my it? website so they can watch the video. I mean, you can obviously go wealth distribution. Maybe a bunch of people have seen it already, but it shows it takes America's wealth and it divides it over a hundred people. It just helps you understand that like one percent of the people have forty percent of, of the, the money. money, and and but is like when I see stuff like that, part of me is wondering like, do you think that's really true? Is that accurate? I mean, it's hard to really know. How do you know if that's true? Oh, or not I true? think I think it is true. Well, I think uh, well, I don't know where they get those numbers, but. <laughs> You, should, you know, Nige, I can't believe you moved back to Canada. You could have a job on Fox News right now. Yeah. How do we know that's true? It's a video on the Internet. You believe everything you see on the Internet? I don't believe those well, ladies no, are really, really having sex with those guys in that fashion without money. I don't think they like that. <laughs> well, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's shocking because it really is surprising when you watch it and you see how much, like, how little the poor people or most of Americans have and how much the, that small percentage of rich Americans have, it's staggering. And it makes you go, because it's one of those things when somebody gives you such an astronomical, crazy fact, you just go, wait, is that true? Because I don't know. It's I, not something that's really apparent. Like, it's not something I see every day walking around in my neighborhood and you're talking to people and you feel like, I, I don't know, is there one guy in the neighborhood that, that has like $800 no. million dollars in his basement? No, well, we don't even see those guys. I mean, I see I yeah. see, I see, some of those 1% guys at shows sometimes. But let's face it, the people who can go to comedy clubs are already in the top probably – I, I couldn't even ballpark it, but at least the top 20 percent, you know, the median income in the United States, which means half of the people make more and half the people make less is in the 40,000s for a family of four. So if, if you're making if you're making forty, fifty thousand dollars for a family of four or less than that, there's no way you're going out to a comedy club and blowing a couple hundred dollars on, on a yeah. night or a hundred bucks. On Maybe a night like once once a year. Yeah. Or well, something. It's like that's Charlie like and the Chocolate idea. Factory. So that's why you don't see it. You know, you don't see the poor people because they're so friggin poor that they're not yeah. they're not out. They don't live in your neighborhood and they're not shopping at your grocery store and yeah. you're not walking by they're going to work at some terrible job or no job full time or no time and then the rest of the time they're staying home and trying to spend as little money as possible. So that's why you don't see it. They're, they're zombies, that's what you're saying. They're well, zombies. I'll tell you what. Don't see them. You know, they're economic zombies. You know what, Nigel? I think you're joking. And I think the listeners think you're joking, and I think it's a good joke. But listen, let's take a look at the truth of it. 
You know, not to be. Now this is now 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 the check this podcast is verging into now 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 we're now on, we are on Fox News. We are no, Fox now. News. I think now we're on MSNBC. Okay, but, okay. Uh, or maybe we are on Fox News. Let me t- let me put a Fox News spin on it. <laughs> Hey, rich people, or hey, economic, hey, people who have TVs who are watching this who went to college. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to the poor people who are working their ass off right now and can't come to the computer and watch or the, the TV. You don't have cable. Yeah, we Let's hate those it. stupid zombie poor people. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to get so poor that they're going to start coming into the neighbor your neighborhood for food. And so what's your response to that? Is it to donate yes. money? Yeah, it is. That is the response. It's Guns. not. We could be donating money to charity and to, or food, trying to help people who are less fortunate than us, or we could hire security guards and build fences yeah. and try and keep them out you of know, our the neighborhood. The problem with me having a gun is, Jake, is when I shoot that guy, pretty soon he's going to have health care and he's going to get fixed, and that's going to be coming out of my pocket too. So you're saying not only do we need guns, but we need to stop this health care thing. Yeah, so that get these, rid of this goddamn health care stuff. Because these broke people are going to come for our stuff, but if they're sick, they're going to be a lot yeah, easier to take No health care, but a tax break on bullets for me, rich guy. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, why can't I get a bulletproof vest? I should be able I'm to rich. I, it's a, I need a write-off. Should be a, I'm going out shopping. Hey, I don't know what it's like in Canada, Nigel, but I could go out shopping today in Los Angeles and probably buy a pair of snowshoes. I wouldn't have to order them. I could go buy them. That's how, yep. that's how rich we are in L.A. There's a store that's selling <laughs> snowshoes in a place that never gets snow. I could yeah. go buy a pair of snowshoes and uh, a rifle and a couple of handguns. Then I'm totally set in case I have to run away over the snow if there's some kind of climate problem or I can shoot uh, zombies. Or, or the you know less fortunate people who are coming to my house to try and take my soup, yeah, or just anybody, just shoot whoever you want. I don't. I'm pretty sure that the law forbids me to shoot at anybody I want. Not if you're in that one uh, percent, <laughs> give you a t- when you get in the one percent. I don't think it is the one percent because I think the sad truth is I don't. I don't think I'm in the one percent, but I might be in. The, I'm, I'm in the top ten for sure. Just, yeah. just which is not. But you see, know, that's what's how interesting, poor, poor people are is I'm in the top ten percent, and I still am like, do, did I save enough for retirement? I don't know. Do I have the right kind of health care? No, I don't. I don't have the right kind of health care insurance. <laughs> if I get, nobody knows. If I get sick, I'm in trouble, and I'm at the top. Imagine you're at the bottom. You can't even. Do you think they're listening to this podcast? No, they're nope. not. See, what I like is that the 1%, the guys at the top, we don't see or really know about, and also the guys at the bottom, we don't see or really know about. Like, there's two secret societies in this economic spectrum that we really don't know very much about. Yeah, I feel like... They could be having secret meetings. The top 1% and the bottom 1%? Yeah, they're not, though. Oh, dude, I would love to see that party. (laughs) party. And they're just conspiring to, like, get rid of the middle class. They're like, how do we get rid of all these suckers in the middle? It's just a rich guy throwing dog treats to a bunch of poor people. (laughs) They don't know their dog treats. (laughs) Look how much they love these. They don't know their dog treats. Tastes like hot dogs, doesn't it, it, Bob? It sure does. (laughs) That second voice was the was the poor guy. He had a, it was the poor guy. He yeah. had a pretty. He up, sounded pretty healthy for a he poor did. guy. Yeah, I, I got to work on that. You know, when you're trying yeah. to put it together, short notice. Yeah. Well, did you see? Uh, I guess in this same vein, did you see Russell Brand's little ranty video? No, I didn't see his about, ranty video, but I I did read a thing that he said about he wants to overthrow. He wants a revolution. Yeah, this is the same thing. He doesn't. People should stop voting, and because the politicians don't. Rep- 
represent. I don't think we should stop voting. I think Russell Brand has a lot of great ideas, and I do kind of agree with him about. Does he have great ideas? Well, he's also sort of a wank. I see. I sort of sometimes I I kind of feel like, look, maybe you could take one community college class before you before you go nuts on. Don't vote. You're not even voting. He's not even voting, Nigel. Well, here's the thing. Well, what? Yeah, he's saying don't vote, but he's also saying that, uh, you know, we're destroying the environment and, you know, the government is only serving large corporations. It's like it's not representative of the people or serving the people. I'm like, well, when did the government ever serve the people? Has that ever happened? Like, tell me something I don't know. Like, this is like people are just like, oh, man, this guy started a revolution. He's genius. It's like, what is he saying that everybody isn't saying every day? You know what I mean? It's just because he's Russell Brand. Is that it? Just because he's Russell Brand. So people think like, oh, he's a former drug addict and a comedian. So we should listen to him. Well, those guys do have a lot of credibility to me. (laughs) I think, as you know, Nigel, I was a big fan of the Katy Perry movie. And uh, when Russell Brand was not able to make that marriage work, he lost (sighs) he lost all credibility with me because I feel like Katy Perry. She was young and she maybe picked someone who wasn't right for her. But uh, th- that, that, that's how he got an opportunity like that, and that, that he squandered it through his own traveling around and doing his own show instead of supporting her to be the best Katy Perry that she could possibly be. I feel like that was mistake number one, and now yeah. I find out he doesn't even vote. You know, uh, I can't imagine how deep this has cut you. <laughs> No, you can't. It's I, I can't. I looking at the paint. Those Christmas lights just faded over your head. Those Christmas lights just dimmed out. Here's the really tough thing. I can't completely be as sad as I want to be for Katy Perry because I I think it's going to affect my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope she's listening right now and she understands that somebody out there cares. I get very, a lot of emails. I get a lot of emails from Katy Perry, or should I say, someone who says they're Katy Perry. well i don't get those so you're doing something right well i'm pretty sure that the person who's emailing me is a middle-aged man but uh (laughs) he does a pretty convincing katie perry i'm not middle-aged jake whoops (laughs) oh geez nice i just ah it's just (laughs) am i not giving you enough positive feedback (laughs) i I just feel like i understand katie perry's voice and i can get i well, let me and just, I know what you want to hear. Well, let me just say you do, and you're a very convincing <laughs> Katy Perry. But what I'm saying is if you, you. feel if you, you're welcome, if you feel like you want affection from me, you can just ask as yourself. <laughs> I, I care about you, Nigel. I have feelings for you. <sighs> I know, but it's just it's just uh, it's it's so much more fulfilling when I'm being Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know, a man's got to do what yeah. a man's got to do. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if we can You're welcome. consider me a man at this point. Now go get your snowshoes and your high-powered <laughs> rifle. <laughs> Let me go put my heels on. Uh, heels are no good in the snow. Uh, high-heeled snowshoes, that's what I'm going to be Googling after this. Oh. Hey, you know what else I want to um, tell you? Go ahead. I just found this every once in a while. I'm going to – I got the article here. So I was reading – every once in a while I'll just keep – Articles if I'm out on the road or something, and I read something in the paper, and I'll stuff it in my bag. I want you to tell me that, but first, let me let me oh, tell you about who our guest is this week. Oh, okay. Our yeah, we have somebody week. coming in next. We're going to take a break and have somebody interject. Yeah, yeah that's what's going to happen. It's oh, yeah. uh, Steve Gastineau. He is okay. a uh, comedian from Denver. He's been at it for 25 plus years. He's also a um, a biker, 
a welder. He makes uh, metal art in a collaboration with an 80-year-old ceramic female artist. Uh, he broke his leg snowboarding out of bounds and then skied to the bottom of the hill. He is an animal <laughs> trainer. He was the uh, <laughs> snake wrangler for the National Geographic uh, channel for a while. And is this his intro for when he goes on stage? Because it's long. No, this is the intro for now to get people oh, to... Oh, he's okay. going to tell stories about all of those things. And so I'm just now, I'm going to play my conversation with Steve Gastineau. Here we go. Okay, do it. Let's talk about because uh, you're you're a comedian and you're an artist welder. I've been a lot of things. And you're a biker. I don't know if I'm a biker. I'm a bike enthusiast. You are a biker. If I'm a bike, a bike enthusiast. I've owned all kinds of bikes. I do not fit that biker genre. I just happen to have a Harley at the moment. Right now. Now, yes. have you been a Harley guy before? Yes. Or? Yes. I've owned probably four Harleys. Um, but I've been, I, like I said, I've owned two BMWs. And I really love the BMWs. They are very performance motorcycles. But, you know, you get lapped at a lot on, on them. You know, I was called James really? Bond because everything, oh, everything's, the heat, the grips heat up the 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 suit I got a suit that plugs in I oh mean. see I had an older I I had a bikes I had a motorcycle period of my life about like 10 12 years and in that time I owned a Honda and I owned a big Harley and then I, and then I had the last bike I had was a BMW the opposed twin the you know the, yeah the boxer the boxer but That's it was a, I, but it was an older one before this good bike the, the new generation it was a great bike and I liked it and I kind of felt like you know those bikes, the BMWs and Harleys, there's you, you kind of you get the motorcycle, but you also get the personality, the world, the little subculture world that you're in of the guys who are into that bike. You, you know? fall into it more with the Harleys, but yes. If well, you with the BMW your- guys, it's it's kind of like sort of technology, sort of stylistic hipster rich guy they can pretend to do whatever they want you still got to make the ride and that's what changes those weekend warriors trust me man uh, i know lots of guys they can't they can't ride the distance yeah i used that's to, the key to being a, a what i would call a true motorcycle guy well and that was the fun thing i used to ride up to san francisco for my gigs up there and so that's a nice like you know six Six hours, eight hours if you stop a couple of times. That's so, a good ride. So that's a nice ride. And and you definitely, you get out there and you feel it. Because I didn't like the whole thing in L.A. of if you want to go for a ride, you have to get out of town first. And the traffic thing is no fun there. I mean, I don't know how people relate to bikes on the road here. But there, you know, they get jealous of you if you're making headway in traffic. And they if you're trying to go. You can still go between cars You're out allowed there. to split yeah. lanes between yeah. the, the two Very dangerous, lanes. but I, I would love to be able to do it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, people would, you know, if you're on an air-cooled bike and you just sit there with it idling in dead traffic, you're going to overheat the bike. You know, you have to, you almost have to get moving, get moving, or get off the roads if it's that uh, tough. But then people get jealous of the fact that you're moving, and and you'll see them ahead of you. They see you in your in their mirror, and they try and pinch down the lane, or. You know, they, they do the same stuff they do with cars, aggressive, like they know that you want to change lanes, and so they speed up to keep you out, or they'll they'll nudge over by you, and it's like, hey, I'm on a motorcycle. I'm That's not exactly it. I think you get, get that leeway with a motorcycle. I'm sorry. Yeah, you pull up, I pull up to those people and go, you know what? You should get a bike. You won't have your problems. And I ride past them. 
Yeah, I'm, well, I'm more talking about like this aggro thing that you're doing on your in your car towards me. I'm on a motorcycle. You know, you touch me with that car, I'm going to fall down and really get hurt. No. You know, it's not just like a little insurance situation. No, I've been down. I've been down a couple of times. You know, I hate to say it. I, 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 I fit what I call the geek mold when it comes to motorcycle riding, too. I, I got the Harley, and I love, I love that they've got the destinations, the, the Laughlin's, the Red River Run, the Four Corners Run, Sturgis Run. I don't like getting there. I to like, be at the actual bike I, yes, convention. I yeah. like my, my trap. The Sound Geeky. For me, it's all about the quest, not the grail. <laughs> well, I like the yeah. That's why I like the ride up to San Francisco. Then I'm there. Then I do my comedy yep. gig. I recover from the. It's it's intense to ride a bike it, all day. That's what I'm saying. It's very intense. And most of these weekend warriors, as I call them, they can't handle it. They can't even do a hundred miles on their bike. Their backs hurt or something else. It takes quite a bit. I used to ride back in the back in the day, man. I'd take weekend excursions, fifteen hundred miles in like two days. Wow. Yeah, we'd go through Moab or we'd go up through, I'd go up to Sturgis on the off season and go through all that beautiful, I mean, everything's beautiful up there, Spearfish and Belfouche and Lead where they've got the uh, Deadwood, you know, uh-huh. and take a ride. And the only thing I worried about is, you know, you got to worry about animals. That's it. you got to worry about live, anything, well, and deer, stand, cattle, whatever. I never worried warm. about cars or anything like that. Well, when you're at, that's my thing too. Is once you're out of the city, well, like in L.A., to go for a ride, you got to you got to ride for a half an hour to get to the place where you're in the hills and on a two lane road with some curves, and you know you're away from these aggro automobile people who are trying to pinch you down or knock you down, and, uh, and so so it was a pain. But once you get out, once you get out into the place where there's less cars and you can just look at the scenery and breathe the air, you can smell things while you're riding. I'm built to do it. Like I said, I'm not a radio guy. I don't need the cup holder. I don't have any of that stuff. I hate to say it. I just like to reflect. That is what I do best. I like to, that's what I've got a bike for, just to reflect. Like I told you, I have dreams about flying. And the funny thing is I have reoccurring dreams about flying, being able to fly. But I don't fly like Superman. Uh-huh. I fly... Indian style seating, just like sitting with your legs crossed, and for some reason my body comes up off the ground and I just take off. And you were just doing the steering wheel thing, so That's, you're sitting Indian style, but you're holding on to I, a steering wheel. I feel wheel like, sort of? well, I feel like this is my the the world is my screen here, and I, I'm kind of uh-huh. right in between it. So I don't know if it's a steering wheel or my bars, but that's why I believe I sit because I view the closest I get to flying is my motorcycle, and on a motorcycle you sit. So I think in yeah. my dream world. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm sitting because I think I'm flying on a motorcycle. The flying dream is pretty great. It's a great dream, man, and I, and I love it, and I do think I'm flying. And I tell you what, my BMW, I did fly. I'm telling you, I never had a bike with the performance that it had. Six gears, and I could do 100 miles an hour in third, and I still had three gears to go. It was, a, it was something else. Yeah, and I traded, I traded the BMW and the speed for the Harley and the weight. So I went basically from Porsche to Cadillac because me and the bike I got now, we're 1,000 pounds coming at you. The bike yeah. weighs like 850 or something like that, 840 pounds. And like I said, I weigh a buck 60, buck 65. And uh, I just figure now I got all this metal and stuff. I'm just gonna hold on to my bike if I go down. I think if I went back to having a bike, though, I'd get a, I'd get a one of those, uh, either a 650 or or even a 250, one of those dirt bike taller on on off road 250s because you could zip around town through traffic 
and it's light enough that you could flick it around. That was a thing to me with the Harley. It was so big. It was so big and heavy. You know, you'd be in a parking garage, and if it's one of those ones where the concrete is polished and oh, slick, yeah. no, no, no. you know, you try and turn a little bit, and you could feel it. You could feel it kind of. Go up underneath it. Oh yeah, and the old you got to make sure you know how to park things too. It's, it's funny you can always see rookies on motorcycles. They get into these uh, head these down, parking garages, yeah, they and they the can't get out. their yeah. bike out. That's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah, you know you learn all those things, but I, I, the the main thing is I just like the ride, and and I try to take them on gigs, but you can't. Like we were discussing, uh, I can take them on small jaunts here and there, but I wouldn't take a, a four week tour doing comedy because you can't trust the weather the uh, weather and you're really limited as to what you can take with you exactly on a bike. exactly I mean, it, once you these guys who pull a trailer or have you know that big bag the big box behind them i mean pretty soon it gets to be like you got so much stuff on there with you that it's not you know oh man and you don't anymore. like when that bounces i've done that too yeah that thing any little thing but uh i would love to travel um i'd love to travel uh, across the uh country on my bike and I, I obviously have done it but like I said when you've got time frames you've got commitments to clubs and stuff you can't take a chance on being stalled by weather right or, well or, it is like flying and that's it I was going to say I took flying lessons just right before I got the motorcycle and the thing about the flying lessons is you know you can't really if you get your pilot's license you, you can't really use it for transportation because it's kind of more, way more expensive and you got to pay the rent on the airplane while you're at the place that you're doing your gig you know you, and rent, you have to plan ahead you got to plan ahead for all that you got to huh? plan ahead and then you can wind up in these weather situations where you can't fly because it's cloud ceiling or a little bit of weather's coming in and you don't want to risk it but then you can get in this situation where like i need to go so i gotta go so you take off into something that you shouldn't be taken off into and now you're in the air and you wind up and you have to talk to people on the radio all the time as a pilot and figure out your navigation and watch for other planes and you you didn't really get that sensation of flying because you were so busy doing all this other stuff that you had to do. Not to mention, what do you do when you finally land at your destination? Is there a car waiting for you, or do you? Well, call right, there's some places you can rent. You know, enterprise rent a car. You get them to pick you up at the airport. But now you're renting a car at the place while you're paying rent for your plane to sit on the runway for the whole time. You're not on the runway, but parked off to the side for five days while you're there. Yeah, so, I'm gonna have to make. I'm gonna have to get a few more gigs. Yeah, yeah. So motorcycle is more fun for transportation, and you have that same freedom, you know, when you're going through corners and you're leaning the bike this way and leaning back the other way, and you can feel the wind on yourself and you can smell the air. It's it it. it I, I really felt like it was. I'll tell you right fun. now, it's probably my last statement because I don't want to bore you on motorcycles either. Um, I think everybody should at least have to take a, a month's class of motorcycle riding only for the fact that it, it, it just opened your... It made me a better driver because you pay attention. On a bike, you have to pay attention to everything. You want to talk about the little kid running out between the cars or the ball coming out, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You are so more in tune on a motorcycle about stuff like that, car doors opening up, anything coming out in front of you. It just makes you a better driver. I'm just telling you right now, you become a lot more defensive even when you're in your car having ridden a motorcycle. Well, and also I feel like if people did that, they would be more conscious of what it is like to be on a motorcycle. So when you're in your car and you see someone on a motorcycle, you understand their world a little bit more. But the great thing about the motorcycle to me is, you, yes, you have that vulnerability, so you have to be alert. And so that's that, that alertness, that vulnerability is kind of a positive thing that makes it 
exciting, and then the nimbleness of how quickly you can accelerate and get out of situations or all good offense. The opportunities that you that Best are best defense is a good offense you. a lot of times. And I'll tell you another thing: having ridden with actual bikers, um, that was another little thing that I ran into. And you bought the Harley, you just run into. I've ridden with the Sons of Silence and the Banditos. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, I, you know, their key to no. longevity: <laughs> drugs. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm saying they do lots of drugs when they ride. While they're riding? Yes, they do. How does that help them? Man, you just don't feel anything. It's just, you're just... So if they get in an accident, they're not going to get just hurt because they're already all sedated? About, it's all about the road, yeah. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> man, I, mean, I don't I know. Hate, I hate to say it. You would think, yeah, you don't want to hear that, but I'm telling you, man. Yeah, I'm just saying, okay, kids, listeners. Yeah, this is yeah not, please. That's not the... This is know, not Uncle Steve's biker no. advice. You're, not, you're saying you're not... You're not doing drugs while you're No, riding. I am not. Oh, well, yeah, Advil. <laughs> Back to the No, age. I got a natural ride. I, I, but like I said, I got a lot of friends of mine at my age that can't ride. They've been told by doctors, your back can't take it. I know, I got, I know one guy that uh, I don't know how it equates to it, but he gets bad uh, hemorrhoids, kids. Uh, <laughs> from riding? Yep, from riding. Huh. So he can't. Uh, actually, cafe-style bikes are better for him because you lean forward. Lean forward. Yep. Yeah, it's a straight up. Hard. It's a straight those up. Those things get hard on my, my, uh, my shoulders and wrists. Like yes. leaning forward all the time. You, you build up things for that, though. I, you know, and then I know the ape hanger guys, and I don't understand how that doesn't get your shoulders after five miles. And and it does. It's not a comfortable way. It doesn't. The bike doesn't feel performance at all when your hands are up like that. It feels like you're 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 constantly wrestling with the thing to me. But uh, and those custom bikes too, man. You better know how to work on them because they don't make it. They break down. I got yeah, friends yeah. of mine that bought these $50,000, $100,000 motorcycles, and they just don't make it a full ride. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like you better just call your trailer people up. Well, you're putting on a show. You're just riding. That's just for show. Exactly. Like, look at me on this bike. You're not having the Exactly. Experience. That's one thing I'll say about Harley-Davidson. I mean, you know, it may not be the best performance bike, but you know what? They run. They go. And... Um, uh, they don't ever lose value. I mean, I, I don't buy a bike for that reason, but I got to tell you, Harley Davidson, good investment. I bought my Harley used from a dealer, so I paid top whatever the dealer was charging for that used bike. That's what I paid. And I sold it after I rode it for um, probably three, four years back to a dealer for whatever a dealer would pay. And it was a zero sum. I sold it back to the dealer for what I paid for it. In the few years that I had ridden it, it was nice enough bike, and because it was older, people wanted it, and there were less of them available. And so I rode that bike basically for the cost of the insurance for those three, whatever it was, years. I've had good turnovers. I'm and if I, had sold it to, if I had sold it myself privately, I probably would have made money on the two years of riding it. But, uh, yeah, so they're great for that. They're getting a little more inundated with bikes now, though. I mean, uh, they're just, there's, a, there's a lot of them out there. They still keep their value, but you can get on the, you know, you can get on the Internet and see if there's a thousand right, right. of the same bike you're trying to sell. So it might take you a little bit longer, but like I said, I, I still don't think you necessarily lose value. Now, you, you were a rider. Did you put the ink, huh? Did you put some ink on I didn't get any tattoos. No, okay. did you get tattoos? Well, that was the thing. When I had the Harley, it was like, okay, so you kind of have two choices of the crowds you ride with on the Harley. You have the hardcore biker guys, whether they're in a gang or not. But, you know, the guys who the most expensive thing they have is that motorcycle. That's their most expensive 
possession and it's their favorite it's thing their in their thing. life. They park and then, it in the living room. So it's those guys and then the other guys who are doctors and lawyers who go out and ride it 10 miles once a month. And so I couldn't relate really to either one of those groups. And that's kind of why I got off the Harley. I couldn't either. That's why I pretty much have a, 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 a couple friends that I like to ride with. Other than that, I'm pretty much down to riding solo on myself. Like I said, the European guys were just a little too geeky for me. I loved my BMWs, but yeah. they were so into everything. Had to be, you, you know, kind of like the guys that ride bikes. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to look like I'm in the Tour de France just to take a bike ride. I, I had that Aero Stitch zip suit that, that I, I still have that. Oh, do you? Bike suit, and that was a that was a kind of a bike techno thing. But uh, yeah, I, if I was going to do it again, like I say, I'd get a smaller bike, one of those on-off-road bikes that would just be purely functional. This is I just have this because I like it and I want to ride it around. Not I'm not trying to be part of some. Uh, I got the old man bike group. now, and I'm very happy. I'm just very happy just sitting on the the big cruiser bike, and I, I have no fear if I have to take a long trip. I can take a long trip, but primarily, you know, it's a it's a bar hopper. Mm-hmm. It's to go out at night real quick. Take a yeah. I didn't like my, riding at night too. I do like riding at night in town. I don't really like it out of town because of the animal factor. But in town, when you know, uh, when the cars are finally gone and the night's yeah. a little cooler, it's uh, uh, a yeah. I do like riding at night. But I just like riding. I'm just I don't know why I'm built to ride a motorcycle. I think I, I will always ride. How do you stay warm? Do you have an electric suit that you? I do not anymore. Right? I hate to say it. I've gone back to being on the Harley. The cliche. I, I wear leather. A leather jacket is freaking great. It's great for road rash if you go down, but it it yeah. keeps you warm. You're warm enough in a leather jacket. Yeah, even I am. when it's like. 40 degrees outside? Well, I prefer a windshield. You put a little, yeah. If you can't take the wind off you, my bike also, old man bike, comes with the, the uh-huh. nice clear fairing on the front windshield. Yeah. And I put that on and I can ride anywhere. But no, for the most part, I don't like it. I want to have the old-fashioned motorcycle look. And yeah, I hate to say it, I put on a hoodie. And I, I mean, I look the part. Yeah. I put on a hoodie, I put on a leather jacket, I've got the leather boots, and I mean, it keeps you warm, but you look like every other biker. I used to laugh. I used yeah. to tell these guys when we go to these rallies, because they all had ponytails and beards and leather jackets, and I would say, hey, if we get lost, don't worry, I'll just look for the guy with the ponytail and the leather jacket. I'm sure I'll find you like that. Because <laughs> they all looked the same. It is pretty. The biker it, look. Yeah, it is pretty hilarious. Well, you have to wear the leather jacket. Anyway, so... So you got the you've got the you're a biker and you're a welder. I am an artist that uses yes a welder. I am a sculptor. How did you learn how to do? Did you was it? Did you know your what? I art gonna, come out of a job or did you? Are you ready for this? I had no clue. I was an artist. No, I was Joe at 20 years of age. Uh, I had a friend of mine hands on teach me how to weld, and I was just Joe Blue Collar going to build America. I actually watched. I actually walked a beam eight inches wide, 40 stories tall. With nothing else underneath me. You tie your leads around you. That is the welder arm. It's called a lead. You tie that around you or you t- tie the ground around you. And that you goes hook back it. to the electric, the, the thing yeah, that's generating. Yeah, it goes back to the welder. And that and it, thing is bolted on. So if you yes, fall off, you're hanging on yes, to a big to, wire. Exactly. That's what they told you. The bottom line is you don't fall off. Don't fall off. And uh, you know what? I did that for a while, and I just held beams in place and put in some rivets and welded them in place so they could get in there with the big metal rivets to all put it in place. But you got, you know, and I briefly did that, and that was that was cool at 20. But then I went into your basic welding. You know what I mean? I was building, I was building frames and truck 
roll bars and and um, security doors and windows, and the company went belly up. And uh, I found myself at about 25, 26, not knowing what to do. I took up snowboarding to kill some time, broke my leg snowboarding because mm. we did everything out of bounds, and I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd never skied before. <laughs> You'd never skied right to snowboarding, snowboarding out of bounds. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I was badass the first few times. And then, you know, cocky, I tried to go over probably a two-foot hill, but to me it seemed like, you know, I'm doing the big jump. I mm-hmm. stuck it in the ground and went to roll, and you just don't come out of those. And in my day, you didn't have bindings. We started with Sorrells. I wore Sorrell boots. Oh, right. You would wear just your regular boots, and then they would strap you. So I snapped my tibia. And are you ready for this? The guys wouldn't come get me. I'm in the middle of nowhere, in the oh, middle of this of forest. Yes. And I'm yelling to my friends down the hill, and I can't see them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They're my, I'm yelling down, Bud. And he named himself Bud. So there's a good, there's a good teacher, huh? Uh-huh. I had a guy named Bud who, called, who gave himself that old nickname, teach me how to ski, how to snowboard. I yelled down to him, Bud, I'm hurt. Dead silent. You just hear, you pussy. I'm like, no, Bud, I'm really hurt. Come get me. Fuck you. I pulled myself out of that snowbank got myself back on that snowboard, and finished the run with a snapped leg. Oh, your front one or your back one? My, my, my left ankle, my mm-hmm. front le- the front one. Cause yeah. I'm actually left-footed. I'm right-handed, but I'm left-footed. I guess that's another uh-huh. goofy thing. But, yeah, I, my lead ankle. And You know what? I made it down, and I had no idea. I walked around on it for about a week because it swelled up so bad. I couldn't mm-hmm. feel any pain, and then when it came down, I went into the doctor, and yeah, I actually had a compound fracture. It didn't come through the skin, but I mean, I broke. But it was the, fully broken. I broke the bone cleanly. It just went back into place. Mm. So um, yeah, so I. Uh, and then that got you into welding. How that got me into comedy. Oh, because you couldn't work? Because I, I couldn't work. I didn't know what to do. I needed a job, and I'm bowling with some, some guy who claims to be a comic. I went down to the Comedy Works in Denver to see this guy perform, and I went, man, I could do that. He sucks. And, of course, he signed me up. Mm-hmm. I had to go back up in two weeks. I had to come up with a three-minute gig, and I got up there, and, man, I sucked. <laughs> right, but you're I had, better now. I had no, yeah, I think. I, maybe a little bit. I, uh, no, I had no clue. I'd never been for a large group of people. I didn't know they shut the blink the lights. I mean, I literally couldn't leave. I needed this this guy that was MCing to actually have a hook. I needed somebody to pull me off. So you were that just stage. out there, kind of lost. Oh, dude, I froze. I mean, this guy this guy said to me afterwards, came up to me, and goes, "Dude, I never seen anybody look like he was going to shit himself so bad." And I was like, "You know what? I would have." If I hadn't been so damn nervous, you couldn't have got a drop of anything out of me. I didn't sweat. I, I just. Dried up. Yes, froze. And you know what the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life? I'm not kidding you. One of the hardest, I should say, it was uh, go back. Oh, it's good to do stand-up the second I had to do it. I couldn't leave it at that. I had to go back and at least watch the lights blink, put the mic back in the microphone, and walk off stage. And you know what? That is all I did. I tell you what, I think the joke I said, I got one joke out of me, was something like, I wanted to boldly go where no man had ever gone. I dated Brooke Shields. You know what I mean? I don't even, I don't even know what the hell that. And I good night and walked off. And I was so proud of myself that you just did that, it. That I just did it. You dismounted. And then I was done. 
I was just done. I was like, you know what? I'm never going back to comedy. I salute these people that get up on stage. It is an amazing, amazing thing. And and I just wasn't going to go back. And then it took me about a month to realize... You I, were going to go back. I can't leave it at that. Yeah. I know I can make... I know I can get one sincere laugh. Right. And then, of course, once you get that sincere laugh, you're, you're hooked. It's like a drug. It's like when you really hear an audience laugh at you for real, not not at you, but with you... Yeah. On a joke, I was just like, wow, this is great. This is great, man. Mm-hmm. And I've loved it ever since. And I still love it. How and many years have you been doing stand up now? I'm 20 years in now. Yeah. 20 years in. But, you know, I started late. I was 30 years old starting mm-hmm. comedy when I finally got around to it, 28, 29, and then finally got into it probably fully in 1990. And it was pretty weird. My mom passed away of cancer. And, you know, it's, you talk to the relatives. They're like, what are you doing for a living now? And I'm like, well, I'm going to be a comic. That's nice. So what are you going to do for a living? But you actually said to them that's, that was going to be your job. Yes. I said, yeah. I'm going to be a comic. And they'll go, okay, what are you going to do to make money? And I finally went, you know, I'm going to work for the city. Oh, that's a good job. Did you have a job while you were doing starting comedy? I ended up picking up a courier job. And that really, once again, we're back to the road. That really taught me. To relax on the road, not to give a rat's ass, man. You just can't let people get to you, man. You've got to relax. That's but what yes, I, say I drove too. a cur- I drove a courier truck and did comedy at night, and then visited my mom in the hospital. I mean, I was uh, I was twenty four seven. I didn't. I never really went to bed. Mm-hmm. It was it was visit my mom, go get up in the morning to do the courier thing. Come come back, shower, go do my ten minute set. You know, at this mm-hmm. time I was finally getting ten minute sets yeah. at George McKelvey's Comedy Club and the Comedy Works in Denver. Mm-hmm. And um, my first paid gig was actually opening for Roseanne Barr. Huh. Yep, that was my first actual paid gig, and as an MC, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and so uh, and then I I would go to the hospital again, see my mom, and I did that for like about a year straight, and then my mom did pass away and oh, gosh. and and the courier thing became you know it just it just started to conflict with me wanting to go on the road but i spent four years being a comic before i ever actually ventured out onto the road i feel like a college like a college thing yeah yeah well and also if you've got a job see i had it when i started doing stand-up i had a waiter job or a couple bartending jobs in town and so i was making enough money and i didn't want to i didn't want to quit my job until i w- had it enough money making it comedy because I didn't want to be one of those broke guys who just can't do anything because he's got I was that. Got 100 bucks. I was that. I was the broke guy. Yeah. I didn't live in my car, but... But you did have a job, though. You had well, a courier job. Well, I gave up the courier job after my mom passed. I didn't feel I needed to go on mm-hmm. the road, and I was looking to put myself on the road. And even starting out, this is probably about 94 mm-hmm. now, 94, 95, uh, I, I knew a lot of guys. They took me on some roads. I went. I went to... Florida, my first time, mm-hmm. Ybor City, and got a tattoo. I thought that would be cool. I got a little crab tattoo on my leg, and that's what I was going to do. I wasn't doing it be- because I was a biker. I was doing it because, oh, man, I go to Tennessee, and I'm going to get a little guitar tattoo That's going to be your souvenir. Gonna- yes, souvenir. that's going to be As a comedian, your souvenir on the road is you're going to get a tattoo everywhere you exactly. go. Exactly. How long did that last? It didn't last very long at all because I, sh- I started to realize you can't just walk in. I started getting bad tattoos. Let's see the crab. I don't know if there's such a thing as good tattoos, but I started getting bad tattoos. Oh, it's tiny. It's like yeah. the size of a nickel. Well, I was thinking this thing out. I was going to put, you know, I was yeah, going to you gotta, going going a lot of states. states. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, I was going to start you. going around the world being a great comic. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just started doing, and then I quit. And then, you know, I, Jake, I'm not kidding you. 
I have always liked animals, and I've always had exotic pets. Mm-hmm. And growing up in Michigan is where I, I grew up as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, I always, with a kid, get called up to get the garter snakes out of the out of the the vegetable gardens. And I used to tell the ladies, "Do you understand? You don't have those big green worms in your garden because of the garter snakes." Right. You need to keep the snakes in your garden, and you'll have a perfect garden. But no, I had to remove the snakes. Uh, I caught a box turtle in a in a woman's yard. They used to. Do you remember a milk shoot in a house? A milk shoot? No. Oh man. Oh, it was like where the milkman would put the milk, milk in man, it and then you get it from your, the house. Yes. Yeah. I I was so small. They would stick me through those. People would have bats in their houses and wouldn't go in their houses. They wouldn't even open up the doors. And I would slide. I tell them I go get it, and I would slide through the milk shoot. And catch the bat. And catch the bat. How would you catch the bat? I would catch the bat with a pillowcase or a butterfly net or whatever. They yeah, yeah. pretty much fly right into it. You know, you just don't want to get bit because they, they could carry rabies. But they were little brown bats, and they were really nothing. And people say they fly at your hair. They don't fly at your hair. They fly at your hair for one reason, because you emit sweat, and it comes mostly off the top of your head. And in the summertime, bugs go for the sweat. Oh, so the they sh- think they, they, that smell they think means that's where bugs are going to be. Yes. Well, the bugs think that's where they're going to be. They hone in on you, on your sweat and your heat, and the bugs come after you, and the bats are going after the bugs. That's Mm -hmm. why you always see them around... uh, um, Lights. Lights. Yeah, thank you. Street lights. (laughs) But anyways, so I became that guy. So in 94, I became a snake wrangler for National Geographic. A snake wrangler? Yep. I was going... I I just fell into it. I had all these exotic pets. I started to try to go to some schools, and I was was talking about pets. And then the next thing I know is I'm going to phobia groups, because I'm talking as a comic. Number one phobia, speaking in front of public. And Uh then number two, and it was pretty funny. I would bring snakes and spiders, like giant tarantulas. To help people get over their phobias with snakes and spiders. to try. To try to help them. You've started doing comedy. You've started going on the road. This is after you broke your ankle. Yeah. The welding thing is in the past. In the past. In the past. And uh, are you welding now to do art yet or not yet? No. No. And my mom just passed, and I'm just trying to be a comic. And I'm getting those gigs. But you know what I mean? I don't. you got to route them. You know what I mean? That that you well, put nine weeks out, together, gotta, wow! And then you come home and you don't have anything for like a month. You're doing little stuff around town. Yeah, yeah. They still let you do it, and I got to fill the gaps. I'm living by myself, and I'm mm-hmm. this close to living in my car, like all the famous comics claim to have done. And I was there, and I just happened to have good roommates. And uh, I'd come back, and I put this show together with all these animals. I was Safari Steve, Creature Features. Your party doesn't begin till we crawl in. So you'd have snakes and a big spider. Oh, I got giant millipedes. I got kissing cockroaches. I got frogs that eat rats. I have African bullfrogs called pixie frogs. When you were Safari Steve. Yes. And did you do what kind of, so you say you do parties. It's not grown-up parties, right? No. It's little kid parties. I did kid parties, but I did the the children's zoo. I did the children's hospital. I did disabled children. I I did mentally challenged kids up in Estep. I mean... I took all my animals, and they loved them. You know, arthritic children. You know, they can't really... Kids love, kids love animals, and they, they love do. to touch them and pet them. And, and I love doing it, but, you know, as the other comics used to laugh at me, you're just, you're just a clown. You're just a clown at a birthday party. But I was more than that. And then National Geographic got a hold of me because they needed some specials to be done. They had some commercials they were doing for, for Adelphia Cable Company. Which uh-huh. is, I don't know why they came out here when that company's east... And I did all these shows, and you've seen my animals on TV. You just don't. If you've seen a Delphia Cable Company with any snakes or frogs in it, those were mine. 
Yeah. I brought them, and they were on TV. And I did all that, and they paid me very well and catered very nicely. Mm-hmm. National Geographic, I love them, but pretty much they just bring out one guy to do a shoot. I reenacted a gentleman being strangled to death by his own snake Ooh. for National Geographic. It's called Python versus Gator. And in the first five minutes, you can still see me. You can still get on. You're in the show as the guy as that gets the guy. strangled I, with your snake. And the funny thing is, they used a bigger snake for the reenactment than they did the, 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 guy, the guy actually, actually got killed really, by. <laughs> yeah, to make it look real. Yeah. But so, the fact is, that's kind of misleading. Like, if you've got a pet snake, a small snake could kill you. It shouldn't. It should not. The bottom line is, me and the fire department, we sat around and talked about it. They had the real fire department do the real reenactment. And then I came in as the actor to play the guy who got killed, and there was a couple of girls that were also mm-hmm. there that just froze. And that's what happened. I think this guy had a deep-down fear of snakes. He got a snake to get over it, uh-huh. and it was doing fine. And I think when he put it around his neck to look cool in front of these girls, he did. He slipped or fell, and the snake tightened up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because it thought, you know? Yeah. And when he tightened up, the guy panicked. And I think the pulse in his body shot up. And the snake went, this is the natural fear he gets when he attacks something. They pick up on the Right, the snake, the the snake did his instinctual, like, exactly. I got to kill it now. And it just continued to, and this guy froze because he could have pulled it off. He could have done it. He was bigger than me. The snake was smaller. And I'm telling you, he let that snake strangle himself. He, well, nobody understood what was going on. The nobody. snake didn't understand, and nobody. he didn't understand, and the girls And he did didn't not understand. pull it off, and the girls were too scared to help him, and he just literally let yeah. that snake suffocate well, him. tragic. So I'm on, I'm on uh, Python versus Gator on Nat Geo, mm-hmm. and you can see me being strangled by an 11-foot Burmese python. Mm. So and how, long did, did, how long did you do Safari Steve for? Till somebody got bit. <laughs> we live in that world, Jake. Well, I remember that story. But how, so how long was it, though? That, I did it for about 15 years. 15 years. And, yes. and when you say somebody got bit, it was not. Nothing. It, it was, was, it was a, but it was a kid. And yes. so the kid got freaked out. The yeah, as strange as that out. may be, you can't have blood at a children's party, Jake. I did know that. It's bizarre. I did know I that. Did. Now that I'm a father. Uh, do you? you yeah, know that? I'm well aware that you do not want to have blood at the children's <laughs> yeah, you party. You can't have blood at a children's party. It was the long it was that slow motion sixty seconds that everybody talks about. The little girl got bit by my smallest snake, a black and white California king snake banded named Oreo. How can mm-hmm. Oreo hurt anybody? But it bit her because she was trying, you know, she was trying to do something the snake didn't like. And the animal's only recourse, and I explain this to the children as Safari Steve, that they're more afraid of you than you are of them, but their only recourse is to run away. And when they can't run, then their next thing is to attack. I mean, they've got musk that they can spray on you and do other things. Frogs puff up. Mm-hmm. Just scary. But the bottom line is, all animals, their last defense. Well, it's with even your family dog. If you yes. if you mess with him too much, he's going to give you a nip because he, you know, that's what that's what animals do. But uh, yeah, it's it's oh, tough because Jake, you're dealing with these. Oh, everybody started screaming. Chain reaction. She screamed. All the kids scream. The mothers already hate you. Because they think these animals are disgusting to begin with. They hate the, f- the fact that they've hired you. Yes. They hate you. They hate you from the moment that they hire you. The moment I'm there. The fathers were cool as can be. They're all sitting back still drinking their beers going, I'm surprised everything's not biting somebody. You know what I mean? The guys were actually pretty mellow about it. But the mother went berserk. I ruined her party. It wasn't even the girl that got bit. 
You know what I mean? Her, her parents were there, thank goodness, and they saw the whole thing. I wiped it off with a wet nap. You couldn't even find it. It's just cartilage. There's no, I don't bring poison. It, 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 it was just, it was just a little prick. Exactly. Of a, of a thing. So it, it was really not was. a big deal. But then it gets blown into a big deal exactly. because you can't be the person. You you try and say it's no big deal, but it's it's that they once they again when s- the blood shows. Yeah. It goes crazy. So needless to say, I finished the show. I thought everything was cool, and then I get a summons. But that's so. But that's a sign of how how minimal it was that you were able to finish the show. That no one at the time is having a huge panic. Thank, it's exactly. like, isn't just a little small. Incident. I wiped it off. You know, told, some kid could fall. They could be running around, and some kid could fall in the driveway. Oh, scrape and get your way knee. Scraped thank worse. you. Yeah. Thank you. And and I told the little girl that you know, hey, you know. You're gonna move a little quicker now. You're gonna, you're gonna see a little better. You know what I mean, Spider-Man. You know. Yeah, yeah. I told her you'll be fine. It wasn't and a spider though. It was a snake, but I yeah. still tell you, you're gonna have a little better powers. And she. So then you get a summons. Now they're gonna sue you. Well, I get right? a summons and a letter. I get a letter from the actual people, telling me that she's still going to her Girl Scout meetings and everything else, talking about the story. She's very happy with it. I got bit by a snake and I survived, yeah. and she's all cool. Uh, but I get a summons from the woman who threw the party, and I show up, and there's actually lawyers. There's actually a judge, a lawyer, and I just show up. This is the woman who threw the party, yes. not the parents of the kid. Not who the got parents of the nipped. kid. Uh-huh. And I show up in my creature feature T-shirt, <laughs> uh-huh. and I just—I'm not taking it serious at all. And all of a sudden, I realize, wow. You should have brought a lawyer. Yeah, this looks serious. So they get up and they start citing all these codes I broke and all this stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm covered by her homeowner's insurance. I explained that to her. That's but, there's a, but nobody covered by who Who wants money? The kid is fine. That's what I said to her. I go, I don't have any money. I'm a broke dick comic. I mean, what do you want? I, I can give you the snakes and the spiders. <laughs> I don't have anything. I said to her, she's fine. Finally, the lawyer gets up and he berates me. He just gets up and tells me that, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. You know, these are deadly diseases. These things carry blah, blah, blah. All this stuff. I go, are you an animal expert? Have you worked with uh, any of these animals? Have you studied? You know what I mean? I said, you know what? I think you you are, uh, you know what I mean? You're t-. I go, here's the bottom line. You go ahead and sue me. I will show up with a representative from National Geographic, from the Children's Hospital, from the Children's Museum. I will show up with 200 past clients, children, that I've done part of, been doing this for 15 years, well, even the I am not the, the kid, monster you guys are making me out to be. Yeah, even the kid who, the parents of the kid who got bit is not, doesn't have a beef, so this is just the lady, the parent of the, so. Exactly, so I told her, I told them the bottom line is, uh, so how does it all pan out? It all pans out with, uh, this, the woman stands up and says, well, I'm not recommending you, I'm like, that's fair, and that was it, I walked out. And the judge goes, okay, we're She done. wouldn't even t- let me give her her money back. I tried to give her her actual money back for the party because I got paid up front. And she wouldn't even take that back. She just said, I'm not recommending you at all, and I'm not going to be recommending these parties. And I understood that. And I still had like 10 parties on the books for the summer because I only did this through the summer because you can't take the animals out in Colorado in the cold. Yeah. It was just to fill in because, you know, we slow down. Comics slow down in the summertime. Yeah, you're just making a little money on the side. Exactly. Party, Steve. And it was nice to be represented by National Geographic. I liked having that title, Wrangler, mm-hmm. you know, for, you know, it made me feel some cool that, oh, I'm, I'm a snake wrangler for National Geographic, even though that's such a misnomer. Only here. They didn't fly me anywhere. They didn't fly well, me but, yeah, but it's technically true. So, so you did the remaining 10 parties? I did the, the remaining 10 parties, and I was apprehensive as all get out because, you know what, as the old saying goes, you know, one Once. time shame on you, two times shame on me. I thought you were 
were going to say once bitten, twice shot. Oh, that's even better. God dang, that's funny. I like you as a comic, Jake. You're mine. <laughs> Boom. I, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I just, I, I couldn't sleep at night. I was so worried that something might happen right, again. Right. Now I'm going to be on every news channel. Well, because you're not, a, you're not a bad guy, and, you, and then these kids are having fun. But the reality is, little these little animals could bite or nip they, a little. They might nip a little. And person. I tell them all the time. Anyway, so so that ended. Well, you bring over bunnies. That bunnies ended, would bite. We yeah, got that bunny, and that freaking bunny will nip you. I actually worked with Jack Hanna. Uh huh. I actually did. I. They called me up to go over and keep an eye on the animals. He did a show. And I'm telling you what, his show was not that great. He did a nice show at the Buell Theater, nice theater in Denver. Mm-hmm. But without it being hands-on, it's kind of weird sitting in the audience. The animals are nice, but you can't get close to them. You can't see the scales. You can't see the twinkle in the eyes, the, right. the bumps on the frogs. I mean, that's what the kids like. They want to touch them. They want to see them. And actually, frogs scared me the most because they root around in moist environments, and I was worried about salmonella, even though none of my animals were captive bred. All my animals, like most animals today, are, are, are captive bred. I mean, mine were not caught in the wild. They were. They, they were not. All my yours animals were captive, bred. were captive bred. They were so they haven't caught some disease out in the middle of no, nowhere. No, exactly. They were very clean. I clean their cages, all that. But you never know with frogs and turtles. They are the worst thing. That's why they quit selling those little turtles because kids used to put them in their mouths, and you get salmonella and everything else. Even though it helps you build up immunities, you know, eventually. Mm-hmm. But whatever, we won't go into all that. I'm just saying, <laughs> helps you build up. That's your selling point. Of yeah, you can't exactly. These kids are going to have immune systems. Well, what I'm but they will anyway. Yeah, well, I guess. But I, I just finished. I got too apprehensive. I couldn't do it anymore. I actually passed it off to a pet store that picked it up because they 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 got insurance through their through their. Oh, so they so they do safari steel. Yes, or whatever they've got they vans and they could pick out different animals from their shop and go. And you really do pick up on their moods. I knew when my spiders were not happy, and I do not want any little kid to get bit by a spider, even though. Spiders don't. They've never shown any aggression. Whatever. I had some big tarantulas, by the way. Here's a nerdy National Geographic fact. There's never been a recorded death by tarantula bite. Is that right? Now, they're venomous. But they're not but poisonous. But it's not like you would be way worse off getting the brown recluse. Those things no, are those, seriously. Yes, those are bad black widows. But, however, still people, you don't know who would be allergic to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like bee stings. You know what I mean? People have varying reactions. Exactly. And we yeah. didn't want to take that chance. So I just got nervous. I got out of Safari Steve. So I got a friend of mine, a welder. Needs a job. Knew I used to weld. Can I help him finish this job? While I'm helping him finish this job, I build a sculpture. I don't know why. I just looked at a piece of metal, twisted it up into something, and went, that looks pretty cool. I take it to an art gallery, and they sell it. You're just bending up a rebar or <laughs> yes, whatever? Yes, I'm just bending up a, I did a piece of channel and everything else, and I made this cool gong that kind mm-hmm. out of, a, out of a plowshare blade I found in a... In a field uh-huh. and you know you hit it ding nice little sound nothing special and i sold it for a couple thousand dollars who knew but they but you know gallery takes half and take out for my product and it's you know it's a misnomer there too and i think i laughed that i'm in the art world i understand the starving artists that way too they take it but all of a sudden i started making these iron things i found this one gallery that liked me i had a gallery rip me off and now I'm using that to supplement, and I've built that into, I met a woman, a ceramic woman. We fell, we ran into each other literally around the block. She lived on the back, the street behind me. 
Mm-hmm. She came by my house one day walking her dog. She saw what I was doing out front. She showed me what she did. I said, let's try putting something together. Like Reese's peanut butter cups, boom. Her ceramics on my metal. We make these beautiful trees, ceramic trees. And now I'm in three galleries in Arizona, a gallery in Taos, New Mexico, two galleries in Denver. I'm just like, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm an artist. For real, yeah. No, I've yeah. seen your art. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful stuff. Too. I appreciate that. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed. And I had no clue I had that in me. None. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll put up some links. Or I'll, or I'll see if I can get some photos of your stuff and put it on my site because I have a little podcast blog page. So when this comes out, people will be able to go look at there. But what are the? Is your stuff online? It's somewhere that well, you... it's it's. You know me, Jake. Obviously, this is like the first thing I've ever done associated. You do not with have a website. I am not that kind of guy. You do not have. A, you were worried about coming on the podcast because you thought you were going to have to do some technology thing. I yes, was, exactly. I had to explain to you that all we do is talk. Your part is just talking, and I'm like, good because uh, yeah, I am just so old school. I, I'm even old school about how I think about comedy. I mean, I really just want to make a living being a comic. I love the nightclubs. I love the getting up on stage at night, and I just love that. And I, I really don't need it to go further. I don't need to be on any shows or anything. So, but like I said, same with the art. I, I love my art. You give me a piece of steel and you and you close the garage door and I will make something cool. But getting to the galleries and getting to... This woman, thankful, beautiful German woman named Yuta Golis. She's the ceramic person. She is a name I go under. And if you look up Yuta Golis, ceramicartist.com, you will see our stuff. You How will do see you spell her. Yuta. J U T T A. J U T T A. Golas. G O L A S. Ceramicartist.com. It actually, it, it might be Yuta Golas Ceramicartist.com or it might just be Yuta, but I'm I have sure. a feeling if you just put in Yuta Golas, you're going to find You're going to be stuff. fine. Uh, let me and, just help you with your technology. And there will be a collaborative page. Mm-hmm. And on that collaborative page, that is us. That's you. Yes. Oh, cool. That is us together. And I like her name. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're collaborative, but she's been an artist. She's actually been an artist for about 60 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's been one all her life, and mm-hmm. she's very nice woman, and she does some beautiful ceramic works, and, and I like being under the cloak of her also. I'm really a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. I like what I do. Well, you like to do your thing. Yes. You like to do your thing, I but like you to- don't like to have to... Promote it or, or no? Do I'm lousy stuff. at and, it. And I'm that's just lousy at it because you have to be able good at that. Well, we're in a do-it-yourself time of art, and so there's great opportunities there. But it is you have to learn all these new little skills. Like I know how to make these recordings and put them on the internet. And you know, what about YouTube? Is there YouTube of your comedy out there? Do you do that? Comedy Works has one, but I don't. I haven't really ever put anything together for myself. Well, that's the next thing that you should do is you should start uh, recording yourself, make some little tapes, and put those out there on YouTube. And you know, it's now it's a point where you I, can you can get your own little version of a website, or even just get a Facebook page or something. So you can so you can kind of tell people this is who I am, this is where I am. If you just saw me and you want to turn other people on to me, because sometimes, like, well, I'm going to have to because bottom line, yeah, dragging my 100-pound pieces of art and trying to sell them next to the t-shirt guy and the guy selling CDs. Yeah. It just doesn't, you know, I'm a comic, but I'll be selling my art after the show. Well, it doesn't you, work. If you had Clubs some, don't seem thrilled with it If you had all. some little brochures of your stuff that are showing some photos with a link to your website where people can go and look at more. Yeah, that's probably true. But I mean, yeah, the, that's the 
the, the reason that I thought, oh, this would be fun to have you on the podcast is because you're really a, a interesting character. All the things that you've done in your life simultaneously is uh, it's very unique. You know, well, I find a lot of comics have followed the same route. I mean, I'm kind of surprised at how many different. I mean, the comics are creative, man, not just. Well, we're smart. We're smart, artistic people, and everybody yeah. thinks that we're sort of uh, loser dumbasses who work in a bar. But uh, I feel like that works to our advantage more than yeah. it works to our yeah. disadvantage. Exactly. Once again, the front. I love yeah. the front. You get of people that. underestimating you, and then there's no telling what you can accomplish while they're while they're, while their eyes are closed. And once again, I'm not sure where all you're traveling this um, podcast, but. The comedy works in Denver at the South Club. I did most of their iron work in that club. If you are impressed when you walk in there at the iron work, yeah, there's some the pretty Denver impressive stuff in comedy there. Comedy works in the landmark. The landmark. That's where I'm here working this week, and I will be back once a year forever yes. as long as Wendy will have me. But it's just a, it's a beautiful club, and there's some, there's some amazing iron work. She in there. let me do a few things. I did some stanchions for her and some podiums for her menu. Uh, well, that thing stand. where you first come in and it's got the. The photos in it—it's like a—it's sort of like a flower tree with. It's with a, the photos a vine, it. kind yeah. of a vine going around their mm-hmm. their um, their box. Their um, so come check that out, and uh, I'll post some links and photos and stuff. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, Jake, thank you. I'm. I, I don't know if we needed to interject a little more comedy into the whole situation. No, no, it's, it's, I, a, it's, a, it's a conversation. Uh, well, I appreciate it. I I, uh, I enjoy talking to you, and and like I said, I'm I'm glad people if, if they find what I've done interesting. I I appreciate it, but I got to say, it's been interesting all the way around. <laughs> Okay, well, we got to get you an email address so people can email you and tell you how much they enjoyed it. But uh, let's go eat lunch. All right. Okay, so that just happened. Are we back? <laughs> yeah, we're back. It's <laughs> amazing. Fascinating guy. That's a lot of uh, information. He is really fascinating. That's a lot of stuff. It makes what we talked about seem kind of boring now. What was the other thing that you wanted to tell me about? Oh, so I found this article. Every once in a while, I'll clip something out and stuff it in my bag and think, oh, that's funny for a joke or something later. Mm-hmm. But uh, then this one just got away on me. I completely lost it in my bag. So I found it yesterday. Had quite a chuckle over this one. Mm-hmm. I just want to get the facts here. So this is a clipping okay. that you had this saved is a- to talk about at some point, and now it's going to be in, a- in the show. It's in the show now. We're going to talk when, about it. When is this clipping from? It's from uh, August 28th, 2013. 2013. Yeah. Go ahead. So it's a couple months old. So a man, uh, a man has been fined $500 for supposedly swallowing a toe in a Yukon hotel. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right? How do you not keep reading that story? You've got to. But I feel like, look, if, if you don't have a sign posted, I'm allowed to eat anything I find in my hotel, aren't I? No, no, this isn't a hotel. This isn't a bar. Oh, I thought you so said in a Yukon this, hotel. This is, yeah, it's a bar in the hotel. Like, you know, you know when you get up north and they have those, like, hotels, but there's a bar, there's always a bar in the hotel, like the old days, like the old Wild Westy times where there's the saloon in the bottom and you rent a room upstairs. That's, they have a bunch of those in uh, New Zealand, too. It's a rural kind of thing. Where yeah. It's just like, so if you live in the area, you might go, it's for people who live there go to the bar. It's yeah. their social thing, but it's also travelers. You're traveling, you stop in a hotel, yeah. and then you go downstairs to the bar and party with the locals. And if you're unfortunate enough to be staying in that hotel, there's nothing else to do but go downstairs and have a drink. Right, or 11. Right? That's it, or, yeah, or a dozen. 
I like to go with an even dozen. Yeah, well, they uh, sell them that way. That's there's a reason they come as a twelve pack. <laughs> not in the bar. Not in the bar. They oh, you're don't. right. You got to buy them one. <laughs> don't just put the box down on the counter like you can't have just one. You I drink love that, all these. I love that that would be a way in Canada that you could order beers. Just like just, yeah. let's not kid around. Just give me a twelve pack, and I'll yeah. be over there. I'd like a I'll twelve pack. Some, twelve pack and a pee jug. Canadian, they just put a box on the table. Yeah, that's like there you go. And a pee bucket. You get a box, a 12-pack and a pee bucket. I Have you seen that? I've seen uh, some some bars actually sell beers in the bucket. Like you get a bucket of beer and they put like six beers in there or whatever on ice. Yeah. They, hey, the, the St. Louis Funny Bone does that. Yeah. Shout yeah, yeah. to the St. Louis Funny Bone. Mm-hmm. Bucket of beers. Yeah. You're just encouraging public drunkenness. Well, you don't have to. Dr- well, just because it's a bucket, one person doesn't get a bucket. I've never, I haven't really seen. I'm sure it's happened. But, and oh, I, I bet it happens. I bet it happens that one person gets a bucket. But I think it's usually two, two people get a bucket of beers or a table get a bucket of beers because you can't. If one oh. person is, well, I guess they're in a bucket, so they stay cold, right? Yeah, and it's got a handle, so you can carry them around with you wherever you go. <laughs> you want to migrate to one of the other tables gotta, at the comedy? You got to go to the bathroom. You just take take those because who knows how many you're going to pound down in there? Yeah, right. Oh, yes. I'm on the same page with you. Um, so anyway, so this guy, so this is Dawson City, Yukon. This guy in this hotel, um, he, uh, so they have this a cocktail. It's called the infamous Sour Toe Cocktail, which oh. involves swigging a shot of whiskey with a human toe in the glass and allowing the toe to touch the drinker's lips. <laughs> I don't like the look on your face. Take a big swig of your giant jug there. Oh, my God. So Just you're saying... Up. But what they do is they have this pickled toe and they use it over and over. Yeah, it's a human toe. Well, they have two toes apparently. Mm-hmm. So, so you get to choose when you order the drink. Do you get to choose which toe you? They get? don't say if you get to choose. They just well, they rotate them right because otherwise they'll wear out. Because putting them in drinks all the time, they start to break down. Apparently. How do you know? When you say apparently, do you mean are you guessing? Well, that's what or? it said in the. Well, oh. that's that's why the, the owner was pissed because this guy took the shot. He drank the whole toe. He swallowed the toe. Uh-huh. And then he slaps $500 on the bar and said, hey, because that was the fine. The posted fine for swallowing the toe was $500. Like, you need a deterrent. This bar needs a deterrent. Yeah. It's happened so before. It, like, or maybe it hadn't yeah, happened was, before and they thought 500 was enough. Apparently. Well, apparently the fine has been increased to 2500 that this guy didn't know. They're like, hey, we had to up it to 2500 because I guess this has maybe happened in the past. Uh-huh. And so... So this guy's pissed that he swallowed the uh, swallowed the toe, and now they only have two toes left. He's like, so now we don't, now we just have one toe. Like we don't get to rotate the toes out anymore. Oh, so they only have one. Because this toe. guy swallowed one. Uh, what I want to know is where do they get another toe? Well, where did they get the toes to begin with? Well, that's yeah. okay. So that actually says in here, it's uh, it was apparently found. <laughs> toes back are in- us, huh? Toes are us. Oh, good Lord. So you're looking in the article to find out where they get the toe because that information is there. So our listeners, if you're thinking about starting a bar, we, this is not something that I think we could, could happen in America. Is the Yukon, that's in Canada, correct? That's not part of Alaska uh, or something. Yeah, that's Canada. Yeah. So you're allowed to sell a drink that's got a human toe in it in Canada. you got strict gun control laws, but you can put a human toe in your cocktails up there. <laughs> is that right? Uh, that's my understanding. Okay, wait. Okay, wait, here it is. Two shriveled brown toes have rotated with one in use and the other stored in coarse salt. Right now, the toe we're using, we're going to have to keep using continuously, and it's going to deteriorate. Uh, 
They store them in salt. Keeps them dry, yeah. right? Keeps them dry. Okay, so apparently, in, it started in 1973. The toe was believed to have belonged to a Prohibition-era rum runner, mm-hmm. and it was found in a cabin by boat captain Dick Stevenson, prompting him to start the Sour Toe Cocktail Club. So, so... What kind, of makes, a, what kind of a food and drug administration do you have that's there? The, that's the thing is, like, I don't know how is that legal, like, it, for you to just, right? Well, I mean, how can you even suggest employees must wash their hands before returning to work when you got a human toe in your drink, you know? It just seems dangerous. Yeah, it seems like you shouldn't be allowed to to serve that, a human <laughs> <laughs> like a human part of the body. Well, I feel like you sh- – in some part of me feels like you shouldn't be, like it's a violation of code and it's a dangerous thing. And then part of me feels like – but that is so obvious that if you're ordering the drink with a human toe in it, you kind of deserve whatever you get. And what I'd like to know is what happened to the guy who swallowed the toe. Yeah, I don't know. They don't follow up. Did he get sick? He probably just crapped it out. I guess so, but you think there's a bone in there, right? That's not good for you, swallowing a big toe bone? Yeah, grown man, you can poop a bone out, no problem. Ah, what if that toe's full of gout? I think what it's probably that been got in that the gout? salt so long there's nothing in there that can hurt you. But yeah, you're right, the bone, if the bone's so, got a sharp edge and digs into you. Yeah, or a toenail. What if the toenail's kind of sharp? You yeah. don't want to be pooping out a sharp toenail. Well, you could scratch your duodenum. Yeah. Okay. So this or duodenum. Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. I've heard it pronounced both ways, but I'm sure uh, I've got a listener who will correct me on that. So this is the uh, this is the slogan that goes for it. You can drink it fast. You can drink it slow. But the lips have got to touch the toe. On the other hand, no, they don't. It's like, look, you made that rule. I didn't make that rule. I can. I'm paying well, for this toe like, drink. I, I mean, can drink it however I want. I get that if you get hammered. Uh, Maybe that seems like a funny thing to do. It's like eating the worm, right? It's uh-huh. one of those. But it, like, it just goes to show you, people have always been pretty stupid. Like sometimes I feel like, man, we're just getting dumber and dumber. But this just proves people were just as dumb back in the seventies as we are today, right? Oh, we didn't look, get any dumber. I was There's around. Of- I was around during the seventies a little bit. I can testify that people were dumb yeah. then. We're dumber then, probably. Yeah. Well, also bars, like there's a thing out east in Newfoundland in Canada called getting screeched in where uh, you drink this kind of local liquor and then you have to kiss a cod. They give you a big fish and you have to kiss it on the lips. And Mm -hmm. it's sort of like a welcome to Newfoundland kind of thing. So there's all kinds of dumb drinking traditions like that one I could kind of see. That one's sort of silly, but it's a fishing community. It's like a, a thing that they do. But the the toe thing, I don't know. I don't know how that I feel like that's a health code violation somehow. Right. Yeah. I think that is definitely a health code violation. Yeah. Anyways, I, well, I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed they have two toes. Like, I, I can't believe somebody, there hasn't been, like, a, an inspector in there being like, okay, we know how you got the first one. Some guy found it in a cabin. It's weird, but fair enough. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody claimed yeah. it. Where the hell did you get that second one? I want answers. Well, what? maybe we forgot. Maybe we don't know anymore how we got that second toe. Or, hey, what about this? What about you're friends with the guy who owns the bar and you donate your toe to the bar after you die? You go, you can clip my toe. What if you can clip all of them? You can have all 10 of my toes. What oh, do I care? That'd be the most popular drink in town. They'd put your, they'd put your picture over the bar if you did that. Yeah. Right? If, they, if you were going to put all the toes in, then I would save the foot, like, like a f- toeless foot in a jar. 
<laughs> you'd also you could, have like, that. Keep it on the like keep it on the bar, like with the pickled eggs or whatever. You're like you'd be like, that's Jim's toe. That's Jim's foot. All the toes in those glass, they all came from that foot. <laughs> you want to see the foot? You got to pay twenty bucks to see the foot. But then somebody'd be like, "I want a picture. I want a picture. Can you put the foot in the picture? <laughs> I want to go bigger than the toe." Uh, right? Yeah. Well, in America, in America, that would happen because somebody's always looking to go. You know, no, bigger. in America, it would be so illegal if they found out about that. There was someone who would fly in from Washington and immediately confiscate <laughs> the toes, and it would be on the news. Spend all day talking about uh, there's a bar where they've got a drink with a toe in it instead of talking about the distribution and wealth, which is – here's my question. You're so busy uh-huh. up there in Canada drinking drinks with toes in them. Do you have – where's the chart of how the Canadian wealth is distributed? Where's the chart of how any other country's wealth is distributed? I bet China's yeah. got a crazy-looking chart. Yeah, probably. Well, now, starting to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or Russia. Russia, as I bet, is super crazy now. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, man, so, uh, there's so much cabbage to be t- taken advantage of with the oils. Yes, I've got so the oils, the tar sands, the gas, the uh, the gas fields, the prostitution, <laughs> the drug rings. You don't know. I, I cut your toe off, drink it for pleasure. No no bar at all. Just no kidding me. House. I'm, in I'm, my own house, I eat toes all the time from people who... Who wrongdo me? <laughs> wrongdo you? I, I, there's a whole village full of people who don't have toes because I sold them on eBay to uh, an American sports bar. Most of my workers just tip over because they have no toes. I clip off all toes. Now they can walk around. They have to sit in cubicles. It slows them down. Helps them concentrate. Yeah, you focus on computer on putting up my porno websites. No need to go to bathroom. Walk around. <laughs> I'm hooking you up to a catheter. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, wow. Did you, here's what, what I had written down a thing. Oh, let me ask you this. Do they have medical marijuana in Canada? 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 Uh, no, that's not a thing here yet. But it's pretty much decriminalized. Marijuana is, is pretty decriminalized in Canada. It's not really a huge, mm-hmm. a huge deal. Like, I think most of those guys, if you get caught growing or trafficking, it's more of like, I think they tend to prosecute more based on income tax evasion. Mm hmm. Like, how much money did you make selling those drugs? You owe us back taxes. Right. right. <laughs> you know, it's less about because I think what they realize is the, the penalties and the legal system and the amount of time that you tie up with, you know, you catch some like a cop catches some kid on this outside a bar with a joint. It's like, hey, man, just crush it up and throw it in the rain. And then I'm not going to charge you're you. Because, yeah. And that's it. Don't do it. Or don't let me catch you doing it. You know? It's yeah. not like okay, now we got to. That's a. It's an illegal substance. We got to arrest you, take you in, do the paperwork, run you through, take you in the legal system. It's sort of like why? Well, it's not. Yeah, I guess I was just. I don't know why I was asking that. It's just the medical marijuana thing is a funny thing. It would be funny to me if boy Fox News would lose their minds if all at once health insurance was gonna like if the government health insurance was gonna start paying for medical marijuana. That's when (laughs) I would lose my mind. I mean, that would be a field day. Because Colorado has it, right? California. Colorado now has legalized marijuana. You can can smoke marijuana. It's legal. But I don't think they have the dispensary set up where you can just – the last time I was there, it had just passed. I'm going there next week. And uh, the last time I was there – it was legal, but you couldn't just go into the dispensary and buy it. They still were under the medical thing, but the, but if you had it, right. the police wouldn't arrest you or anything. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Speaking of the police. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing there. Yeah, I don't know how it works. I don't understand how it works because it's legal in California, but federally it's still illegal. Right? So under federal law, not legal, but under state law, legal. So it yeah. just seems like one of those, like, because, you know, every once in a while you hear about those dispensaries getting busted by the feds, and it's like, well, what? Yeah, I don't understand how they how how they decide which one. I, you know, I think they're just terrorizing. This is why you shouldn't vote. Russell Brand is right. This is why you don't vote. I don't think he is right. But anyway, <laughs> we've already discussed okay. that Russell Brand character. Yeah, no, I know. It was, that was a callback. Oh, yeah, I get it. I know how callbacks work. <laughs> <laughs> it's professional. This is a professional goddamn podcast. I'm trying to get to the meat. I'm trying to get to the middle spot. Hey, are you, of this are you watching any uh, TV shows? Um, no, uh, yeah, I have seen a new, a couple of, uh, well, Eastbound and Down I've been catching up on, which is amazing, so funny. Is that an, is that and an HBO? Then, uh, HBO, yeah, HBO has good stuff. There's also, um, uh, a new show called Hey Ladies. Yeah, how is that? Hello Ladies. Hello Ladies, yeah. Hello Ladies with Stephen Marchand. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. He's great. He's just I love him. I think I think everything he does is is well done. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Those are the only two shows. Well, gotta, those are my recommendations. I'm gonna check those out because I have HBO Go. Um, flying on the airplane a lot, and so they're showing the previews for this new Ironsides. There's a new version of Ironsides. Do you know? Do you remember that show? Yeah. It used to be. Yeah, it used yeah. to be a show uh, with Raymond Burr as the detective, and he is in a wheelchair. But in, re- in real life, he wasn't in a wheelchair. And now the new the new show ha- is um, oh god, what's the guy's name? The actor's name? You talk for a second, and I'll look it up. Okay. I uh, I was thinking it was a different show. I, I completely thought uh, it was a different show when you said Ironsides. I was on a completely different track, <laughs> so so I have no idea what the original was. Now I was lying to you. I was completely making yeah, that detectives, up. Detectives, you didn't know what it was. What did you think it was? No, I thought it was. Um, I was thinking it was uh, a western, an old uh, western um, series, like an old, old one. Uh huh. But uh, that's not what it is. It, obviously, it's a <laughs> that you've now explained. Oh, did you get just on a side note while you're waiting? I uh, the Duck Dynasty guys that we were talking about that show. They all. I was in the bookstore. They have like a whole shelf of books. You guys have all written books. Oh no! Yeah, I did see that. So, oh no, it was Blair Underwood. So that, Blair Underwood is the new Ironside. But then when I just Googled it, it said it's canceled already. I don't even think it's been on the air, but it's canceled. But that's that. See, this is the thing. They were trying to remake a TV show with a really acclaimed actor. Ironside was with, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, oh God! Now I can't. No, this is the worst. <laughs> Ray. <laughs> Ray. Ray Romano. And, oh, right and uh, but it okay. was he's a big fat white guy who only we said yeah I'll do a TV show if I don't have to walk around they go okay your character's in a wheelchair and now now they now they redid it <laughs> that's not what I they think did. that is what they did and now they redid it with a really physically fit African American guy um, who who still kicks ass even though he rides around in a wheelchair but it got canceled I just saw it got canceled October eighteenth oh. so so that's over I sh- we should have talked about that sooner. Um, 
Yeah, there's so many shows out there that are on. They come out. I mean, A, there's a ton of shows on that I've never seen or heard of before. I mean, I was just looking through the entertainment news this morning. And Vanilla Ice, did you know Vanilla Ice has like a home renovation show? <laughs> no. Like he goes and does. Apparently he's like a contractor. He has his like contracting license and stuff. And he's doing these different shows. And I was like, how have I never heard of that before i mean that just seems like something that well, there's too many channels people there's too would, many channels there's too many shows there's too many shows and there's too many things. and just like you said some of these shows get within before they even air it's like they air one episode and then they cancel well, yeah it. they get me convinced that i should watch it just because it's going to be the next biggest thing based on the promos that they do on the airplane which you can't judge anything based on that but then no then, so i know about that show and it's before i can watch it now i find out about this show duck dynasty from you a couple episodes ago that uh, is so successful that they have a whole shelf in the bookstore devoted, devoted to their books. I'm never going to have time to catch up. How am I going to have time to catch up, Nigel? I don't know. It's, we're, it's quicksand. We're sinking. I know we're sinking. But I was just thinking, do those guys really write their own books? I just feel like all these books that come out, like a show is successful, and then immediately there's books and stuff. Who's writing those books? Like, Because it's not the guys in the no, show. No, they're too busy selling duck calls with each other on TV. They... I. And they're too busy going around to like beer gardens and stuff and fist bumping. I know what well, it sounds like. People drinking drinks are, with human toes in them. At, yeah, pie eating contests and fairs. Well, I think that's what happens when you <laughs> so, become when you become really successful. Then people start doing stuff on your behalf that you just sign it and say that you did it, and then they sell it and they get some money. Right. They get a little bit of money, and you get most of the money. So that's how yeah. we'll know that the podcast is really successful when someone wants to get you to sign off on the biography of you that they've written of you without ever talking to you right based on the podcast <laughs> yeah based on the success of the this podcast is, this is everything we know about you from listening to your podcast i wrote it all I down put it into a story of your life there's some blank spaces so if we sit down for a couple hours i can fill those in <laughs> but basically it's ready to go i've got a publishing deal yeah. and you sign this paper you get a hundred grand we'll sell a million books you get to tour the country go on a book tour how's that Nigel, pretty good, right? Yeah, let's do it. Dream on, because it's just going to be pie in our bathrobes for today <laughs> until that happens. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's. I mean, I sort of get. I yeah, I get that that stuff. It's just surprising to me that the books, like the creative stuff, is actually not done by them. I mean, I get that you know you get a, Jessica Simpson gets a perfume or whatever or a clothing line, and like obviously she's not sewing those clothes mm -hmm. or making the perfume but it's like when a book comes out with her on it i think the general public's opinion would be like oh like you wrote a book you no. didn't write a book somebody wrote a book and then you get to say that you wrote no. it. somebody wrote a book and you just put your name it's all just... i can't wait to get my own fragrance that's going to be terrific it's going to be a combination of uh fresh fresh baked <laughs> cinnamon rolls and bacon <laughs> oh yeah you're <laughs> <laughs> it's only going to be fat guys. Well, I'm not going to be popular with the yeah. ladies. I'm going to be popular with fat guys. I hope you like meeting dogs. <laughs> a lot of dogs all around. Dogs. <laughs> just, just woo, well, that's lot not a bad. Of, lot of that's not a bad way to sell your perfume. It's the perfume for dog lovers. Yeah, you get to hang out. I mean, you do a lot worse than hanging out with a bunch of dogs all day. Well, they're man's best right? friend. Yeah, there's actually a, I saw a couple of schools. I was reading this article uh, during exam week and stuff. They're they're starting to do these things where they have a like a puppy room and they just bring in puppies. And when people are 
really stressed during exams and stuff, you can just go in the puppy room and hang out and play with a bunch of puppies, like pet puppies, and play with them. And I was like, oh, oh I want to go back to school. I would. How great would it be just to sit in a room full of puppies? I would love that. Why isn't that a business night? We'll just get one of those, uh, like an old UPS oh. van full of puppies, and it'll be like an ice cream truck, and we'll drive it around. There'll be yeah. a bell like, oh, that's the puppy van. Like, people house. are running out of their house to come roll around the puppy <laughs> just, van. You just got a big van with a bunch of puppies and a beanbag and chair. Puppies grow up into you full. Just go sit in the beanbag chair. Where do the puppies go, though, once they become dogs? Like, oh, you're no good to me anymore. Now you're a dog. Uh, you race them. You put them for racing. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you race them. It sounds good to me. <laughs> sounds totally humane. Sounds track. totally humane. I thought we were going to have to eat them, and that didn't. That was not. Uh, that that put a real no, dark no, side no, on no. the whole puppy van business. But yeah. uh, I love the idea of a, it's like an ice cream truck, but it's full of puppies, and it comes. Oh, mo- music. Mobile puppy unit. Then, MPU. Like, oh God, I'm feeling a little sad. And then the puppy van came by. I went in there. Let me. I just rolled around with those puppies for ten minutes, yeah. and I I was loving life. I'm a new yeah. man. I was having trouble quitting booze, and uh, <laughs> I was just crying in my dirty underpants, and the puppy van rolled by. I went out. I said, why not? I've tried everything else. I got in there, rolled around with those puppies. Let me tell you something. You think it's at a disadvantage to be a homeless man. Those puppies love it. They love me. I'm still saving my old alcoholic clothes to go roll around with puppies because they love the smell. The boy, those puppies, they nuzzle you. They put their nose right in your crotch when you're wearing your three-day-old underpants. Just licking, just licking your face when you still got food in your beard from two weeks yeah. ago. They can't stop kissing your face. They love you. Puppies are great. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Pup. Puppies to go, right? Well, let's not come into a name today, but I'm going to write puppies to go down. And, and we'll yeah. <laughs> we don't have to. Well, we've got to start. We've got to find a van first. We've got to find a. Well, if you think that the biggest stumbling block in this business is a van, um, I think you really need to get to work because that's the kind of positive. That's the kind of positive thinking that uh, I think is going to take us over the top. I feel like feeding and taking care of the puppies and what we're going to do with the puppies when they I, get to not be not puppies, give people. I don't even think there are any obstacles in this plan. I think this plan is just full of positives. A, I finally get to buy a van, which I would yeah. love to do. Hey, maybe it's like I've never had a reason. It's like a different kind of an Uber car. You know, they've got you can get the SUV or the limo or the yeah. or the uh, um, environmentally, you know, gas mileage one or or you can get the puppy car uh, like you can... no we get the puppy van and guess what else we do jake not only will we come to your house let you play with puppies we'll pick you up from the airport yeah. oh you're so stressed we'll pick from your trip and landing and going to security you hate it you want to murder somebody traffic's a nightmare <gasps> puppy van you for the whole ride, ride home puppy van nothing could be sweeter um uh, well i think it. i might have to take this show home in the puppy van nige we're, it's a, yeah, let's do it. Let's jump in the puppy van and okay. drive out of here. Well, this I feel like time to I get on the road about this episode, but I feel like once again we did it. Yeah, we did it. Nailed it. I think I'm going to go get three puppies and just drive around with them in my car for the next couple of weeks and just see okay. how it feels. Just test market it. Just test market it. Well, I'll it check out. in with you in a few days. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Signing off. Thanks for listening. Okay. Bye, everybody. Get some puppies.
Well, that was that, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 68. Thanks for being here, or wherever you are. I, I guess you're not here. I'm looking around. I don't see you. And uh, by the way, Lou Reed died on uh, Sunday. I know that. And today's Tuesday, if you're listening on this on the day that it came out. But the day that I did that talking about Lou Reed at the beginning of the show, that was Sunday. And now it is Tuesday. <laughs> Think about it. I haven't been here. I haven't been here sitting in front of this microphone just waiting to end the show for all this time. I've been going about my business and living my life. And that is the beauty of podcasting. You may have listened to this in three chunks over, uh, let's say, a couple of years. Uh, I doubt that it made a lot of sense if you did it that way, though. So uh, next time, I recommend uh, you listen to the whole thing all at once. And also, you're a lot of episodes behind now, um, so you're going to have to do some catching up. Hey, um, this was a this was a fun one. I will see everybody in Denver. And uh, what else can I tell you? Don't give up. Don't give up. There will be plenty of time to give up later. Just keep on going. If you can't punch... Just cover up this week. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. This is, this is the lower quality part of the show. I think everybody knows that. Um, <laughs> Why am I always in the low quality part of the show? That's a question I've, be, that's a question I've been waiting be for filling? you to ask. God, one of these days, I just want to be the filling in this show. One of us has to take it up a notch, Nigel. Yeah, well... I know it's not me. <laughs> that's, a, that's exactly how I feel. Uh, son uh, of a... I'm just... I have not acquainted myself with any of this technology. I just didn't think... Like I said, 30 years ago, I just didn't think we'd be strapping devices to our bodies 24-7 where anybody at any time for any reason can get a hold of us, and that was going to improve my life. Yeah, but do you have a phone on you right now? No, no. You don't? I don't. I leave it in my truck. I have, I have an old flip phone. I leave it in my truck, and I do the old-fashioned thing. I check it, and I go, somebody call me. Now I'll call them back. Uh-huh. I think it's rude as can be. No, I was going to bite you. <laughs>